Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. In this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast, I'm talking with Will Hamilton and, of course, my partner in crime, Drew Meredith. Now, what Will and Drew have in common is that they are both financial planners and both of them typically focus on high net worth individuals or things like charities and not-for-profits. Will is very unique amongst Australian financial advisors. Not only does he typically rank in the top 10 out of all Australian financial advisors, the way he goes about building portfolios is also quite unique. So in this episode, it's almost like I'm interviewing Will and Drew at the same time and just trying to get them to pick each other's brains a little bit. For example, I give them three subsectors and then I ask them whether they go active or passive, things like emerging markets, real estate or commodities. I also ask Will if he prefers listed or unlisted exposure to different asset classes because I think the way he constructs portfolios for these wealthy individuals is very unique. While some of these strategies may not be available to every type of investor, I think that there is so much to learn from speaking with someone like Will. Full disclosure, Will answered all of these questions straight off the cuff. He would basically just walk straight in and sat down with Drew and I to record this discussion. And as you'll hear, it's still so well articulated. The strategy, process, and overall philosophy of how he thinks about investing and about wealth creation. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode with my good friend Drew Meredith and Will Hamilton. Will Hamilton, thanks for taking some time to join Drew and I. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Up here in Noosa, um, talking asset consulting, portfolio construction, yep. all that wonderful stuff. And you just got back from holidays, I hear. I was. I was in Bali for a week last week. Yeah. Oh, great. Better well, than the weather here. Looks yeah. much <laughs> Couldn't have been much worse. <laughs> yeah, you swapped the sun from, from Bali for the rain of Noosa. I know. It's cold too. Yeah. Uh, well, for those of our listeners who don't know you, can you maybe just give us a bit of an intro into you and, and the business? Yeah, sure. Look, thank you. Um, I started in the industry in 1985, so you know, I've been <laughs> around a little while. Um, but Hamilton Wealth Partners has been around, we're now in our 10th year. So we're a business for wholesale clients only. We do not do retail. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're we, we're a wealth manager. We run money. Uh, we do one thing, and we think we're very good at just that one thing. Mm-hmm. And your history was in—is it investment banking or always the private wealth? Uh, no, no. Uh, most 
the start of it, I, I actually was in uh, institutional equities. I ran Deutsche's Asian equity business in Hong Kong for six years. Hmm. Uh, I was in London before that. Actually, I worked for Bearings. So, ah. Yeah. Does not does not exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, what prompted the shift to wealth management? I came back to Australia um, from Hong Kong, uh, for ch- mainly because of children's education, and I wanted to change. And it's something that had always interested me. I sort of felt that, uh, you know, I think being in Asia, you was in. A, I, I was exposed to multi asset class environment. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in equities, um, you know, things in Australia were very single asset oriented, um, and I just felt that was the path I wanted to go down. Yeah, you would have seen a big evolution in Asia and China over that period as well. Oh yeah, look, I can remember um, being in the Hyatt Hotel in Shanghai and someone pointing to Pudong to me and said, "You know, this is what we're going to develop," and it was rice paddies. And now you go to Pudong and they've they've achieved it. It's, it's amazing. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, well. You're frequently voted in the top financial advisors in the country mm-hmm. um, many years now. I think it was the sixth year I was looking on your website recently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What's What's one thing that you think you do maybe that other advisors don't? Like what's What's What are some of, even just some of the things that separate you? We concentrate on client experience. Um, I don't look at our industry for that. I look externally. Okay. So we talk to. You know, organisations such as the Four Seasons Hotel Group in Canada, uh, Toronto. We have talked to Miller Australia. Um, just recently, we spent a lot of time with Four Pillars Gin. Um, <laughs> so we look at what we believe are really excellent companies in client experience and doing what they do, and we learn from them. Um, I'm not being arrogant in saying that I don't look at our own industry, but I just think if you just concentrate on your own industry, you're not going to get better. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's been, you, when you talk about client experience, you're talking about the first time they contact you, the, the first yes. meeting, the everything's down Everything. to like four pillars. I remember presented at one of our events and it was over-invested marketing and photography. Yeah. Mm. And that's, it's, yeah. it's everything. Yeah. yeah. And that's the continuous um, journey with us. Um, we do an annual NPS study as well. It's a net you promoter know, score. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And we're sort of in about the 80s. Yeah, you know, I, I get paranoid about it. You know, um, hmm. mainly because you know you, people are assessing us. But you, by the way, I think that feedback is a gift, and you know, clients are very difficult to to, to get, and uh, we we definitely don't want to lose one. So I think the other thing is you you can see if somebody you know we've tripped up along the way, um, and we then we've got to go out and you know, try and rectify things. So you know, it's a very important thing to do annually. And even when it's wholesale clients, it's still mums and dads, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we do something as simple as sending wine on a birthday or Mm -hmm. sending flowers on a birthday consistently to everyone. And we get more comments on that than (laughs) investment performance or anything. It's kind of... Unless the investment performance has gone down. Oh, even (laughs) then. (laughs) It's just part of that. Yeah, every engagement you have has to be professional and, and kind of planned and scripted. Yeah. Well, what are the what are some of the ways that you see not necessarily your clients, but people in that wholesale bracket going wrong with money? Like, and I guess where I'm going with this is like, where are some of the the wins that you see for when when they come in and they're maybe under advised or something like that? I wouldn't say it's going wrong. The way the majority of our clients are business owners or right. owned a business, 
And the way I look at, I always describe it as, you know, look, sorry, let's take a step back on business owners. We do have a few professionals. I'm not saying you know, they're all business owners, but that's the majority. I think they identify with us for that reason as well, because we are our own business. They're very good at making money. And what their skill is not is running that money, that wealth. Mm. And that's where we step in. So I think it's not about being wrong. Um, the majority of them identify what their skill set is and what it isn't. And that's why they divert, you know, they delegate it to an organisation such as us. But it's a, it's a partnership. You know, there's no, we do not take discretion. You know, that's one of the things on the client experience is there's, there's a lot of contact. Mm. And no product as well. We do not have any in-house product. Yeah. No, no. yeah. All, all no discretion and no product. Yeah. yeah, correct. Because that would have been easy. Well, when I say easy, it would have been low-hanging fruit from a business perspective, right, to push a product. I can remember when we opened you know, nearly 10 years ago, someone came along and asked, um, offered you know, white label. Um, I think it was 25 basis points. And, and trust me, when you're opening your doors, um, you sort of look at those sort of things. But it wasn't a very long consideration because we we decided to get our own license we decided to be independent and that just compromises that straight Mm. away Mm. what were some of so 2022 has been quite a volatile year for some investors Mm. for many investors very Mm. what what have been so far we're obviously recording this in october what have been some of the common questions that you're getting this year maybe as opposed to last year i think it's more around the People are worried economically um, and about recession. So it's actually not about asset classes. It's not about um, necessarily market performance. It's very much about the the macro and the macro environment. And it, it, it is interesting because I can remember 15 months ago when we were doing reviews, we said to people, one thing we can assure you, because like the performance was was really strong. And we it. said, mm-hmm. you know, you will not the next 12 months will not be like that this. And the other thing was the reviews were very – people didn't want to talk much about it um, because their performance was strong and they just sort of – they'd accepted it. So let's they – were, they were very easy reviews. So we are trying to now provide some context of what's happening at a macro level. We're very lucky. We did have no durational bond exposure in our portfolios. Um, we had – taken most of the growth out so we're actually i was just talking about this morning we, we had very little growth exposure probably one or two percent only hmm. um wow. so yeah then when i say growth equities i yeah. mean mean by that so we've come through this in reasonably good shape but we feel that it needs a lot of explanation because whilst we haven't had bonds we haven't had duration We've started to put a little bit in and we think that you've got to put duration in portfolios. So there's an opportunity that comes from this. Um, but it's amazing the number of people that suddenly say, oh, can I see the performance of you know, whatever we're suggesting? Oh, look, look how bad it's done. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the challenging discussion. You're <laughs> yeah. recommending duration when bonds yeah. are down 15% Correct. in the last six months. Why should I go on that? It's the perfect timing because we're used to just going into the top performing fund yeah. for the last 10 years is mm. what usually paid off. So, But I think the other important thing in getting through this year is we've made eight tactical asset allocation changes in nine months. Mm. Um, the guys are at work working very hard at the moment and I'm here not having to do this. And still work. Trust, still work. But trust me, they're reminding me of this <laughs> um, because we've got some big changes going through at the moment um, and that's been really important. When you say tactical, is that 
like zero five percent allocations, two and a half bigger. Yeah, probably even up to five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, making some changes at the asset allocation level, and there's you know the norm would be two to three a year. Yeah. And we've done eight this wow. this calendar year. Is that like regional uh, factor? No. Look, this is you know, at at it's you know, things to to do with Long the, the asset yeah the asset classes, bonds, equities, infrastructure, credit. Yeah. And, you know, I, th- I just thought one of the presentations then was really quite interesting that people had been – the one comment in, he made on bonds, um, people didn't like bonds so they went to other alternatives. And, you know, just questioning whether – if that's another accident waiting to happen. And I think that people have chased yield and now we're in a riskier environment. You just be careful. Yeah. Taking a while to filter through all the, mm. the rate hikes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought I'd maybe ask a question of both of you if I can. Mm. And that's if I give you both these three subsectors, and you can tell me whether you, you predominantly uh, invest actively or passively. You may not even you may not say both. You know, but I'm just curious on this uh, because I've heard things through the grapevine wheel of like the way that you build portfolios yep. is quite unique. So maybe if we maybe is, is it, I'll chuck you in the deep end. You put me in the deep end. Yeah, sure. Yeah, emerging markets, mate. Uh, we've always been active, and I think the part of the reason was that uh, you kind of saw it this year, where Russia was part of EM indices. Maybe that's just a good excuse, uh, but <laughs> but tend to be yeah. active. And generally, we prefer Asia and broader Asia, so China, India, over you know going to Brazil, Russia, and some of the other the other areas. So, mm-hmm. okay, well, uh, active, um, and we use managers such as North Cape and Scarivore, which have a filter at the top so they did not have Russian exposure because it just didn't fit the bill um, as a country which was investable. Mm-hmm. Likewise, a lot of emerging Europe and some Latin American countries as well, so very, mm-hmm. very strong bias towards Asia. The funds that we we think emerging markets, it, it represents 70% of world growth over the next 20 years, so you yeah. need to have exposure, but it's fraught with danger so we take a really concert. The managers we choose take a really conservative stance towards that part of the world. So the way I liked, we get net outperformance over the period. But these are the markets where you know, on the downside they don't have the downside capture. So the one thing we always look at when we're looking at a manager in emerging markets is we look at what is their downside capture, and we want that to be dramatically lower. And they're true global managers, aren't they? Like they, most people probably haven't heard of those two in well, Australia. Well, yeah, but North oh, Catch run North Catch run out of Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a global manager, but it's run out of Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a fantastic group, and Scarivore apparently it stands for a lighthouse somewhere in Scotland or something. But um, it's run <laughs> out of Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, maybe we'll stay with you for the second uh, subsector, which is real estate. So mm-hmm. be, just generally speaking, real estate. Um, we look. The bulk of our exposure is direct, so but not necessarily syndicates. We've got, you know, I would say half of that direct exposure would be um, would be through you know, syndicates, but the other half would be in unlisted funds, things which you know are in healthcare, so you know, diversified um, assets within that space, something like that. Mm-hmm. We would always have an element of REITs, but again, actively managed. And that's more so we can adjust asset allocation when we need to. So it's a balancing item. So it's a very, very small exposure, one or 2%. Okay. 
We're pretty active and probably split it some listed. So there's a couple of, we probably had vicinity or charter halls, long whale that you can buy at a 20, 30% discount. Maybe that means valuations are also going down. Mm. We're not sure yet. And then, yeah, some direct real estate. So not small syndications, but you probably say institutional grade be the best, best explanation of those sort of, sort of strategies. Mm-hmm. All right. This is pretty broad strokes, but uh, I've got commodities down here and this is just, this is, yeah, this is my third yeah. one I just had to pick. Um, is so it a sleeve? Do you have a commodity sleeve or is it? Um, no, look, what we've done in the past is we have exposed to some uh, commodity funds mainly because the number of mandates out there, especially globally, where they can't invest in resource stocks, commodities, yeah. materials, etc. So we just realised we, we were dramatically underrepresented, underrepresented, so we have used you know, um, I think Janice Henderson, for instance, have a mm. commodities fund. Yeah. yeah. Mm. How about you, Drew? Yeah, we haven't used it a lot. I mean, if if uh, precious metals counts, we've had direct bullion for a while in, in Aussie, um, but not really a, a direct. Uh, we've looked closely at kind of long, short commodities, but I think we looked too late because they're already running yeah. and then it was mm. difficult to, to put them in. But uh, yeah, I think if the question's active, I think you have to be active in commodities mm. and be able to long and short seems to be pretty powerful as well. Mm. I might pivot this next question just a little bit, which is basically public versus private markets, Will. Mm. So it doesn't have to necessarily be specific to property, but just even in equities, um, how you think about that? So we have um, private market exposure across property, private equity, infrastructure, and diversified credit. But we also look at the total amount of um, uh, liquidity or illiquid strategies that a client will have. Mm. Um, and we like to try and restrict that to 15%. Now, that's right for some clients, and for some clients, it's zero. Yeah, yeah because sure. you know, having a liquid, you know, they, they want liquidity. Um, and it is interesting, like we had one client that moved to us in 2020. He, he, the instruction was no illiquid exposure. He'd had a very bad experience elsewhere. And it's amazing, you know, you put the runs on the board, they, they seem to then, you know, at a conservative level, adjust that um, as time goes on. Do you find that experience so, too, Drew? Yeah, I think so. We've, I mean, you, you have some conversations here and there's a lot of restrictions around being able to get private markets that some platforms or the, the way you're investing and trying to get efficiency makes it difficult. Um, we probably haven't gone as aggressive. You know, so I've heard some people with 30 or 40% in No, we would never do that. No. Yeah, and it depends on your client base. So every one of our clients are retirees in drawdown. Um, so you have to be able to look through. We're probably stuck. When it's illiquid, we'd stick to property has been the, in the past for us. Mm. And you, you do. You need to take into account the client's age. <laughs> if they've got a 10-year illiquid strategy and they're in their 70s, well, it's probably not the most conservative thing to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> know who your client is is key. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, as we enter 2023, so coming off a bumper 2021, volatile 22, mm expectations of probably you know there was euphoria everything despair. else <laughs> yeah, despair um people are thinking well you know I, i'm having conversations with people that seem to be drifting you know recency bias and all of that if you could leave out our audience with say a piece of advice on portfolio construction over your many years of experience what would you what would you say look markets ha- hate uncertainty and i think that there's been a lot of uncertainty um which has been Created a lot by central banks, um, and let's admit it, they haven't covered themselves in glory. Mm. Um, diversification is really important. 
because you need to build portfolios that in times of stress, and we are in a period of stress, that bend and don't break. So it's about diversifying um, with amongst asset classes and then within asset classes, and it's really, really important. We look at risk very much. So we, we get Zenith to manage some dummy portfolios for us, and it's not necessarily about performance that we're monitoring. It's about the performance with the risk that we're taking and what we want to see against our peers and against the benchmarks is that we have less risk. Now, our portfolios generally outperform on the downside. Mm-hmm. So in times of stress, we're getting it. We, our relative downside isn't as much. But the important thing to us is I just go straight to those vol figures. I want to make sure we've got less risk. And that's like a reference portfolio? Yeah. Like a pension fund? Per, is, per yeah. risk profile. Yeah. So we do that and we want to make sure that that's there. And they're representative, I think is the fairest way to put it. Yeah, and they've been going now for, I think in December, it's seven years. Yeah. Mm. I think that's that's really, like, obviously uh, those folks on the retail side can't do that, but there's a lot of lessons in that. It's about the risk per, it's the return per unit of risk, right? Correct. That's what we're taught as finance mm. professionals. So it makes a lot of sense. Well, if... Can you just maybe before uh, you leave us, just um, tell us like what, what's your typical client look like? If someone's listening to this, you said wholesale. Yeah. How do they present to you? As I said, they're generally business people. Um, I would say three to thirty million. Um, mm-hmm. Recent liquidity events, sort of sold a business or yeah. evolving or, out of a business. Or we're getting cl- we get clients from your competitors. Yeah. Yeah. Within that three to thirty, we need. We do need that minimum because we need to diversify. We've got minimums that we have with fund managers. So as I said, it's about diversifying amongst asset classes and within. And they're, they're people that wanted to um, delegate. I think yeah. that's the other thing. Um, that's a challenge in investing everyone. A lot of people think they can do it better. Like a guy once said, you know, I'm giving some money to you and I'm giving some money to somebody else. And I sort of said, why? And when he explained it, I said, no, nah, give it all to them. Yeah. And he said, why? And I said, well... We're just going to frustrate you. And it takes a while to do that, though, like to, to have the courage to <laughs> yeah, say to no. That, yeah. But it, it's the way you build a yeah. sustainable business. Correct. You know, we were going to frustrate you. on fees or performance or yeah. – yeah. Mm. Well, well, I'm guessing the best place for people to get in contact if, if they do want to go down that path is through the, through the website? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's hamiltonwealth.com.au um, or information at hamiltonwealth.com.au. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thanks for taking some time to join – Drew and I on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for Appreciate us. it. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. 
simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.